Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of my podcast. We have a special guest today all the way from Florida. Uh, we have Santiago Dobles of Agora. Hi Santiago. <laughs> Hello, how are you? How's everyone? Good, good. good. Yeah, how about you? I'm doing okay. It's a, it's a quiet day today. I have to go to work at 2 in the morning, but other than that, we're okay. You know, life is good. <laughs> So, uh, how's the situation uh, over there with this, uh, you know, COVID lockdowns and everything? Is it is it getting oh, normal now? Or it's what? crazy. It's crazy. They they um they reopened the state of Florida. However, um, <clears throat> the Democrats want everybody wearing masks and still having social distancing and still limiting interaction. The Republicans they want everything open. Right. You know, and so the governor is Republican, so he said open everything, but all the individual individual mayors and city mayors they want everything closed still. They still want lockdowns and things. So it's a little bit difficult, you know. Um, it's a bit uncomfortable either way, you know. <laughs> yeah, and what now that the, you know all these things and the and even the president is having COVID, right? It's uh. So they say. So they say. I don't know. I don't know yet if it's yeah, true or yeah. not. But that's why they called me into work at two in the morning. I have to. Um, I mix audio for the local uh, television news, and apparently they have me on uh, on call for breaking news about the president today until tomorrow three p.m. So, so for twelve uh, hours I'm on shift there to see right. what happens with, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah. it's interesting. Yes, but one of the things that really affected because of COVID is the music, uh, you know, bands, right? People are really affected, yeah. right? There's no live playing. There's no uh, nothing, you know. Um, luckily for me, I haven't played live in a while, so it doesn't affect me too much. Mm. But um, but it does affect people I know who are touring, you know, friends of mine that tour and stuff. Um but now I just get together in my studio. I have my studio in my house. So I make music here with my friends and stuff. And, uh, you know, as, as you know, a good friend of ours, Jason, you know. Yes. And, uh, yes. <laughs> so we live close by. So he comes over. We work on music, which is good. And uh, we'll see what happens with this whole uh, COVID situation, you know. Um, I don't know anybody who's gotten sick. I don't know anybody who's had it. I know people... Um, I do think it's real, but at the same time, the mortality rate is like 99.6. Yeah. I mean, it seems like the flu is more dangerous, you know? Yes. So, uh, so I got to know you from Jason, actually, because I, I interviewed Jason a few episodes back. Uh, oh, good. I, I, I knew the band Agora, uh, but uh, I got to know you from Jason. So what have you been working with, been doing with Jason? Oh, we're working on some new music, uh, you know, something a little different than Agora and Cynic. Um, very musical, not so, not limited to metal, I would say. Although it still it still might have some metal moments here and there, but uh, it's a little more open the palette of, of musical uh, colors, if you will. Right, Tiago. Uh, I wanted to ask you about your guitar. That the the guitar that you post, the the blue one. What is that guitar? <laughs> That's a Steinberger, a little Steinberger Spirit guitar. Right. It's a it's a relatively inexpensive guitar, but it sounds great. I changed the pickups on it, and it sounds incredible. Um, it's very convenient to play, and I can take it anywhere. In fact, it goes with me everywhere I go. Hmm. And uh, whenever I have free time, I can take it out and just play and then put it back in the case. And, you know, it doesn't uh, it doesn't interfere with anything. It just goes along with everything I do in life, which is good. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, can you tell me a little bit about your childhood uh, growing sure. up? Uh... I, I grew up um, in Boston and um, my parents my stepdad and my dad were both very musical. And uh, so in both homes, you know, my parents got a divorce when I was young. 
Um, in both homes, I had the opportunity to learn and study about music and was encouraged to constantly learn about music. So my father was going to the New England Conservatory of Music. My stepfather was going to Berkeley. And so as a little kid, I actually roamed around the hallways of those two schools, you know? Mm. So I was probably picking up stuff. I mean, I remember as a child uh, listening to Bach, Mozart, um, Brahms, uh, listening to Bartok, Stravinsky, and things like that. And um, it got me uh, probably why I like metal, because to me, metal is very uh, much like classical music in a lot of ways, you know? Mm. So so that's that was my musical background. My My father and my mom put me in piano classes when I was a little boy. And then uh, I went into violin. And then later on, I got into guitar. I had a guitar when I was a small child, like two years old, but I didn't start taking it serious till I was about 10, 10 or 11, you know. And right. uh, on the same side, though, I did martial arts, you know. So I got into martial arts as a, as a young boy, probably around eight years old. And, um, and I've always done both music and martial arts. They, they kind of go hand in hand for me, so. Um, I grew up mainly in Boston. I spent most of my summers going to Venezuela, where my, my family uh, was from. Mm. And uh, I would go to Venezuela, I'd go to Costa Rica. And then I ended up in Miami in my teenage years. And that's how I met uh, Sean Paul and Jason from Cynic and Tony Choi. And um, I became friends with them since I was about 14 or 15. Mm. And um, you know, known them ever since that, that kind of thing. So, right. So, uh, <clears throat> so your dad is also a composer, right? Famous composer. So, <laughs> my dad, he's a crazy musician, man. He's he's out of this world. He does uh, everything from classical music to jazz to folk to rock. You know, he played keyboard on the on the last Agora record. Right, right. Uh, he's, just, he's just out of this world. I mean, he's one of the few people that I know that can take a pen or a paper and notate. He can write music from his head to pen and paper, right? right. And then give you the sheet music and somebody could sight read it and it's a perfect symphony. You know what I mean? He can just write music like that. He, his instrument is his brain, you know? He can play piano. He can play bass, guitar. I mean, pretty much any instrument, he'll pick it up. But uh, he's on another level. I'm I'm not at that level. <laughs> uh, yeah, because I I've actually seen seen his uh, YouTube channel. He has a YouTube channel, and it's pretty impressive. Huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he pumps out music. I swear, he's like writing a song every day. I mean, he's doing all kinds of crazy <laughs> stuff musically. I can't keep up. I try, but it's so much stuff. And and. You know, actually, today he just released a new album today. So, wow, <laughs> yeah, it's, intense. it's intense. And he's doing everything from orchestration to fusion stuff to to just progressive stuff to also just simple songwriting type things. You know, um, very talented, very extremely talented. In fact, you know, I would say he's my first influence musically. You know, right. <clears throat> yeah. So, so uh, with regards to metal, what what did what sort of bands did you listen back then? Like, what was your like early bands? Okay, my my first, um, I wouldn't say it's heavy metal, but my my first love was Van Halen and Led Zeppelin, um, and then I got into you know, the, the more eighties glam metal type stuff, you know, like extreme, um, Motley Crue, Poison, back when I was a kid, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, White Snake. And then I heard Metallica and I was like, wow, this is like another level, you know, it's heavy, it's brutal. It's just not so glam, you know what I mean? Right. But they still have long hair and it's still brutal. And then from Metallica, I heard Anthrax, Pantera. Um, and then I got, when I moved to Miami, I got into the whole death metal thing. You know, friends right. of mine showed me Carcass and Cannibal Corpse. And that's how I got the Cynic tapes back when I was in high school. Somebody gave me the Cynic demo tapes. 
And I was like, oh man, this is crazy because it's so extreme, you know, it's mm. fast and brutal and, and sometimes very musical, right? So as a kid, I got big into like death, atheist, carcass, cynic, uh, pestilence. Um, who else did I listen to back then? Uh, I really, I, I wasn't so much of a fan of Testament, but I got into them when James Murphy joined the band. I think James really made it fresh and uh, heavy. You know, he he put a little a little oomph into that band. Um, but yeah, I, I got really big into like the more technical death metal stuff. You know, from from death, cynic, atheist, and pestilence. Those were like the four. And then Carcass. I like Carcass not because they were technical, but they always had a good sound. Mm. You know, um, especially Heartwork. To me, that was a great sounding record. Yeah, that's my so, favorite also. <laughs> yeah me too me too it's just a brutal record so i always got into that but i also at the same time listened to a lot of classical music and a lot of jazz and fusion and like old school crazy stuff like frank zappa you know mm. the prog stuff and um so i kind of just like it all you know i i don't i don't favor one musical musical style over another you know what i mean so right. I can, you know, I can go from listening to death to listening to, you know, Mahavishnu Orchestra or, or Dave Weckl or Chikoria band, you know, no problem. So, yeah. <clears throat> so uh, with regards to playing, you know, playing the guitar. So sure. who did you look up to when you were like playing the guitar? Well, for sure. My number one has always been Eddie Van Halen. Right. Um, just since I was a kid, man. I mean, I think the first time I saw, you know, I think it was one of the Van Halen videos on on MTV. I was like, oh, that's it. That's what I want to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he just blew me away at that time. Um, from Eddie Van Halen, I got I, my father always got me into like Jeff Beck, Jimi Hendrix, Holes. Uh, no, no, sorry, Jeff Beck, Jimi Hendrix. Um, Eric Clapton and Jimmy Page. Those were like the four that my dad would make me listen to, mm. you know. Um, but then I got into Alan Holsworth. I got into, um, you know, John McLaughlin. So for the jazz stuff, those two really blew my mind, you know. Mm. And then I got, I also got at the same time into the Shredders, you know, like Ingve Malmsteen, uh, Jason Becker, uh Paul Gilbert, you know, Racer X, that whole scene. I remember when those records came out. Um, so I really enjoyed everything that came out of like shrapnel records, you know, like Greg Howe, Richie Kotzen, those guys. Right. So on one hand, I listened to a lot of guitar music. But on the other hand, I listened to bands and metal bands. And then I also listened to like a lot of jazz fusion stuff. Um, so it's hard to say, but I would say uh, I did go through a period when I was young, where I went through like a big Steve Vai phase, you know, where I was listening to a lot of Steve Vai, Joe Satriani, and then Jason Becker and the neoclassical thing. But always I, I went back to Van Halen just because he, they just wrote good songs. You know, he kicked ass on guitar. The, the sound, the tone was always really good. And then uh, for me, it became listening to, to a lot of Van Halen and a lot of Alan Holdsworth. And to me, they're very similar. Mm. Not in terms of what they play, but Alan and, and Eddie are very similar in terms of tone and seeking tone and having the tone to be just as important as the playing, you know, and that always caught my attention. Um, I, I really enjoy players like Jakey Lee, too. I thought he was always fantastic. Um, and then I, I, I listen to a lot of acoustic players, too, like John McLaughlin, obviously, Paco Lucia. Mm. Um, I respect Aldemiola. I, I didn't. I didn't really like him as a player. I respect him as a player because he's phenomenal at what he does. I just always found him a little stiffer compared to Paco Lucia and and uh, McLaughlin. But uh, like I said, I mean, there's so many good players. All of those are my favorite, you know. But if I had to narrow it down to two, I would say Eddie Van Halen and Alan Holsworth. Right, right. <clears throat> and I've always tried to kind of mimic those two with how I play somehow I always try to pay homage to them on some level. You know what I mean? Right. <clears throat> so you, you were, you also studied in Berkeley, right? 
I did. Yeah, I did. How's the life in Berkeley uh, back then? You know, it was um, interesting for me. I didn't, I didn't appreciate or value it until later. When I was there, I didn't like it so much because I was there at a time when um, the rock players and the more shredding fusion players weren't really accepted. Mm. It was more like you were either totally bebop jazz, you know, or you were um, like classical guitar or funk guitar. Like, like there was no in between, you know what I mean? Like it was not okay if you were a rock shredder who also liked Mike Stern or John Schofield, you know what I mean? Like, so, so for me, I felt a little bit out of place and not accepted into the group mm. there. However, what it did do for me at the time was the, the other shredders that were there, we kind of all became really good friends and we would always try to like top each other. So there's two other guys I was there and I hung out a lot with them and practiced a lot. It was Max Diebel and uh, Yen, Yensa Reyes. Yensa was from uh, Puerto Rico. Mm. So the three of us would always try to like level up, you know what I mean? Like come up with something and practice and practice and practice and practice. So a lot of times I was spending most of my time in the practice rooms just trying to become way better than I ever was, you know? So I would say that it helped me on that level you know, and, um, I really developed my chops and my, my ear and my understanding of theory while I was there, you know, and I didn't notice it until I left and it probably didn't start coming until about the second Agora record when all of a sudden, like all this knowledge I had from Berkeley and, and my chops all kind of met at a, at a level where I was starting to understand how to use it. And my guitar playing now has become very much in tune with all that theory that I learned at Berkeley, you know, improv theory and, and how to use scales and modes and things and how to um, do things like modal interchange and playing over changes and that kind of thing. So in a way I became, uh, <laughs> I would say I became a bad jazz player, but I certainly became a better metal player. You know what I mean? So I became like a jazz player who played metal. And right. a metal guy that played jazz, you know, but, but it all worked out. I mean, it's, uh, I don't, I, I, I appreciate the time I went there and, and I did learn a lot. I just didn't see it when I was there. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I think now uh, that I'm older, you know, I'm 43 now, I, I recognize how valuable that time was there, you know? So. Right. I, I think yeah. if I could go back in time, I, I would go back and do it again you know, for sure. 100%. Right. So yeah, it's you, know, cool. I mean, you, you know, you walk down the hallway where, where people like Steve Vai walked, you know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, was there. Um, you know, there, there's so many players that walk through that hallway, those hallways. And it's all interesting that you, you know, you're, you're immersed in that energy, but you don't see that until later on, you know? Yeah. That's what I was going to say that because, you know, like dream theater started there, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They did, they did, yeah, yeah, true. <clears throat> so, um, you, uh, how did you get connected with uh, Paul Mas Masvidal? Um, okay, so at the time, my old drummer in my band when I was in high school, he was taking lessons with Sean Reiner. His name was Oscar Guardado. He was taking lessons with Sean and Cynic had a warehouse where they would rehearse out of, which was kind of um, five or 10 minutes from where we all lived. Mm. So I used to go to the drum lesson and hang out with Sean while Oscar was getting his drum lesson. And so from there, I started becoming friends with Sean and then uh, hanging out with Paul. And then I don't remember when exactly, but I started taking guitar lessons from him. Um, so I would go to his house and, and, you know, we, we would, he would give me his lessons and stuff. And it was interesting because we never really, like a lot of people think Paul taught me how to play, but I was already playing, mm. um, when I met him, I was already shredding and, and on that level because I was studying actually with another guy named Paul, Paul Aldanier, 
who was connected to everybody in Shrapnel Records. So that guy had all these like access to things from Paul Gilbert, from Marty Friedman, from Jason Becker. So, so I was learning that stuff when I was like 14, 15, you know what I mean? Mm. And so when I met Paul, Paul showed me what he did teach me was, believe it or not, how to play jazz chords, how to read charts, jazz charts. Um, we worked on jazz lines and improvising over some jazz stuff. So, so that was a good thing, you know, that he, he kind of, Paul definitely pushed me into the direction of expanding my understanding of jazz a little bit before I got to Berkeley. Mm. So, so that was a, a key thing. Um, but, you know, he's a great guy. I mean, I haven't, I haven't talked to Paul in, in years. We kind of lost touch and we kind of separated uh, a bit. Um, but, but yeah, he's a great player and a, and a good person. You know, he's a good, um, definitely was an important influence in my, my development as a guitar player and, and my influence musically, you know, him and, him and Jason for sure. You know, right. I was always closer friends wise with Sean Reiner. Sean Reiner and I were, were good friends and, um, you know, I miss him big time. And, uh, now when he passed, Jason and I, uh, connected again. We hadn't, I hadn't seen Jason gotten since I was 15 or 14. So must've been 1992, 93. I think it was the last cynic show they played in Miami. In mm. Fort Lauderdale, I think I was at the last one there. That was probably the last time I saw Jason. So, but yeah, I mean, they've always been friends of mine. You know, I'm always very close also with Tony Choi. We're still friends. We talk all the time. And Tony and I have worked together on several projects and things. And he's uh, a great friend, you know, good brother. You know what I mean? So, yeah, that, <laughs> that's my connection to Cynic. <laughs> so, I joined Cynic for a short period of time. Too. Yeah, yeah. Didn't last <laughs> yeah, it, it, didn't, it didn't last long. Paul and I didn't, uh, I don't think we saw eye to eye with things. So I, I just chose a different route. You know, I'll leave it at that. All right. So uh, what do you remember in Florida? Because Florida had this big death metal scene there, right? All this uh, with Cannibal and all this. What do you remember about the shows back then? Well, I mean, okay, so Cynic used to play at the Cameo in Miami beach and they would open up for all the big metal bands that would come in. Um, and then there was always shows from here to Orlando to Tampa. You could always find some big band playing, you know, so it would be like atheist and cynic, or it would be, you know, death and someone else or, or deicide and someone else, you know, and that, that, that was for a few years up until even like when Agora was still playing live in 2000, before my my stepson passed away in 2010 which is why i stopped playing shows for a while um at that time you would still find bands here all the time playing some big death metal band was coming around you know but back in the old cynic days at that warehouse right next to it you had um god i can't remember the name of the band now um alex marquez used to play in this band um you have malevolent creation mm. you had um is it celtic frost no it was uh i can't remember but man but back then it was like all those bands were down here you know sometimes even at the cynic warehouse death used to rehearse there so there was always something going on it was it was a f amazing time to see because there were so many good musicians and they were all trying to take it to like another level brutally and also musically. So it was quite fascinating to, to, to be a part of that and to grow up in that, you know? Right. <clears throat> so this, uh, your band, so Agora, so uh, what, why did you choose the name Agora? Okay, so I was always into uh, yoga and shamanism and meditation when I was right. young. And I read a book about agoris in india right and i was like oh this is awesome and so just to be different you know i said i'm going to name a band called agora you know <laughs> and that's what happened <laughs> and it stayed you know <laughs> and so we just kept it and then the cool thing about it was 
the name Agora seems to mean something in every culture. Right. Like in Portuguese, Agora means now. In the Middle East, I forget what country, but in the Middle East, it means like water or like flowing water, like flowing time. It, it had some interesting meaning everywhere. And of course, in India, it's, it's another name of God too. So uh, yeah. I, always, I always liked the idea of, of the creator being both, uh, you know, creator, destroyer, and operator, you know, like the three, the three fold of Shiva, you know what I mean? The three aspects. So for me that, that it just stuck. I mean, it just, I I resonated with it and I said, okay, I like this. This is cool. Let me, let me explore that, you know, but it was interesting because a lot of people in India got upset that we had that name. Uh, back in 1999, I remember releasing the record and I got letters and emails from people saying, how dare I use the name Agora? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know? Yeah, Agoris, uh, the, the, I mean, they call it them sadhus or the Agoris, right? They're, it's it's really interesting, their life, right? how they like, because I yeah. think, the, their idea is like they approach spirituality in a different way, right? They, they totally. treat, there's no good and bad for them. Everything yeah. is the same. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And then I remember this video. Remember this guy from CNN went and uh, <laughs> went to this Agori and then <laughs> he got Yeah, the Agori is eating people. <laughs> That's funny. Yep. Yep. So, so this is why I, I feel that because all your songs and, uh, you know, your song titles and uh, sort of the message is, is toward this, uh, you know, meditation or uh, yeah. enlightenment, that type of, right? So that's the influence here, right? Because every oh, song I, see, I, I went through um, a lot of Kundalini experiences when I was in my late teens, early twenties and, um, and trained with several yogic teachers and meditation teachers and things like that. And, and then I got involved with this one master who he lived in Japan for a long time and he studied with a lot of the the Zen monks Mm. and he really helped me understand how to, um, not control the energy, but just have the energy flow in a way that was more natural, right? Because when I was doing like the Kundalini yoga type thing, it was just so chaotic. It was just, the Kundalini would just open all the time, no matter what I was doing, you know? And you can't really hold a job that way, you know what I mean? You, you, uh, you have to find uh, a way to root the energy and ground the energy. So. Um, I was always fascinated by that stuff and, and I've always had those kind of experiences at a very early age, you know? And so I think I found the peace and the, the way to balance things through my martial arts, you know? And, um, in the martial arts, there's, there's meditation practices, very similar to Kriya yoga, the the meditation Mm. practice. You're circulating the energy in certain patterns in the body. You're doing a lot of breath work. You know, it's very much like pranayama, you know. Um, So for me, that was all uh, important, you know, and it had to do with my music and it's connected somehow. I I always believe that the universe, the source, the Shiva, the the Mahashiva is always uh, around, always, you know, pushing the the individual to make things happen. So, right. So what, what sort of martial arts do you do, Tiago? Uh, I, the last 20 years, I've been studying uh, an, an art that's not so known, but it's becoming more known. It's Penchak Silat from Indonesia and Malaysia. Mm. It's, um, it has Vedic roots. It has, um, you know, it has things from Kalari Prayat. It has things from old Chinese uh, internal martial arts. So it has things that are similar to Tai Chi, Pakwa, and Xingyi. And then it has um, a very animal and primal aspect to it. And of course, it goes hand in hand spiritually with the shamanic side of things, you know. Um, But it's a wonderful martial art. It's very brutal. Um, 
when it comes to the combat, it's very straight to the point, very close quarter combat. But the spiritual side of it is even more fascinating to me because it's it's um, the whole idea that every movement is a mudra, every mu- movement is a mantra, every movement is a is a combination of yantra and mantra. You know, so it, right. uh, it's one of those things where even if I wanted to stop doing it, I can't. it's like guitar it just keeps popping up you know right it's a beautiful and and actually the art goes back to the tandava of shiva the the dance of shiva you know so i'm sure you've seen that yes Um, there's a lot of movements that go back to the the dances of shiva and hanuman so it's a interesting art it has a lot of that connection to me, it's a it's a snapshot of the old world, you know, the old ways, the going back to the old Vedic empires and Buddhist empires, you know. Yeah, because uh, because Indonesia is used to be a Buddhist or Hindu kingdom before, right? Correct, correct. Yeah, you had uh, it was first um, the Majapahit Empire, and then it became the City Vijaya Empire, mm. and then the Muslims came. And then the Portuguese and the British and the Dutch came and then, you know, then it became part of the modern world, you know, so to speak. Right. Right. But yeah, for, for 4,000 years, it was a Vedic uh, kingdom, you know. Yeah, I, 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 live, I lived there for about a year in, in Bandung. And, uh, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I, I, so I, you I, must I, have seen some Silat. Sorry? So you probably saw some Silat in Bandung, no? I'm. What is silat again? Sorry, the martial art, silat. I, I silat. haven't really. I don't know. I I didn't really uh, see it. But uh, what I was going to say is that you see a lot of these temples and you know a lot of this history there and all the names, people's names are all Sanskrit names, right? <laughs> yeah, they're all Sanskrit. Yeah, like uh, all the all the Jurus and the movements, they're, they're like uh, Shiva Kura, Garuda Kura, Moniet, you know, yeah. Hanuman. I mean, it's, it's so in there, you know? So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I remember that I, when I lived in that about a year I was there and I felt so safe in Bandu. I don't know why. Uh, that was... I've never been, but I have friends that have gone and a lot of my teachers are from Java and Indonesia. The culture and the people, they're just so beautiful and, mm. and naturally spiritual people. I mean, they're just, uh, a lot of them are Muslim and some of them are Sufi, you know, and then some of them are still Hindu and, and what they call, um, Buhun or uh, Kejawan, which is like the shamanistic, you know, it's like the native shamans that are there. Right. But the shamans still have things that are connected to the Vedic world, you know. Yeah, it's fascinating, it's amazing. My my love to that side of the world for sure. I mean, there's amazing stuff there. Right. <clears throat> so your uh, your first album, which was released 1999. 99, we recorded it in 98, mm. and it was released in 1999, yep. One of, the, one of the songs that I really like is Satya. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good song. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, how, how did that song, you know, came up? Uh, I was reading a lot of, um, at the time, Paramahansa Yogananda, uh, Sri Yukteswar, some of his books. I was reading, um, you know, Ayurvedic books, yoga books. I was reading a lot of stuff. And actually, Steve Vai recommended to me one time, I met him a couple times, and he recommended to me a book called The Complete Yoga Book. And I was reading about it and studying the asanas and things. And and I was thinking about the, the yugas, you know, like the Kali Yuga, Satya Yuga, and this whole thing. And I remember somebody telling me that in the time of truth, whatever you spoke manifested, you know? And so Satya, that song, kind of like uh, me wanting to envision or understand 
or go back to that kind of reality, right? Because we kind of live, we've been in a Kali Yuga for a long time. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so Kali Yuga, for those who don't know, is kind of like an end of times or chaotic time. And so, you know, <clears throat> even now more than ever, you see it. There's, there's a lot of injustice and a lot of things that, that go against um, human potential. You know, it's almost mm-hmm. like humans are, are imprisoned on this planet. You know what I mean? And they shouldn't be, you know. And so Satya, that song, is a lot of this kind of like strife against that. You know what I mean? And then, of course, musically, we were trying to do like, okay, what would it sound like if Mahavishnu Orchestra was a little more metal, you know? Mm. That was the, the vibe. Right. And that's a, all I remember from that song is that that solo is crazy. It's a crazy solo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the hell I was thinking, but it was cool. <laughs> yeah. And then I think the, I also like the vocals, the, who was the lady who did the vocals? Oh, that was my sister, my, my stepsister, Danishta. Um, mm. She's got a great voice and, and just very unique sound for that time. And so she lives in San Francisco now. She she uh, does all kinds of music now, experimental stuff. And um, she tours. She has her own records now. Um, she got out of the rock thing. But but at the time, you know, it was great. She sang really good. And it was fun to, to be making music with family, you know. Right. Right. <clears throat> And then you uh, you released uh, the 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 album Formless in two thousand six, and then yeah. recently uh, in twenty nineteen uh, you, you released the new album, right? And the yeah, uh, which antiogenic sequences. Yes. Yeah, so you, I feel that you there's no more vocals on that uh, beyond twenty nineteen. Yeah, the, right? the last the last album there's no vocals whatsoever. Um, what happened was Diana left from the second record Mm. and she came back to do vocals for the new record, but they didn't fit. I mean, she's a great singer. She's an amazing singer, but it just didn't fit with how we were going. The music got heavier. The music had like the song structures changed. It wasn't so much like a song where you have like a verse chorus verse chorus type thing you know and um to me the new record is kind of like taking the sound of the second record with the vibe of the first record you know and something different altogether it's just a whole other world but i think it was um it was a record that musically took agora to another place as a band you know um, a lot of things happened too. I mean, I, I started writing that music right after I did Formless. And I, right after I did Formless, I wanted to challenge myself musically and challenge everybody in the band. And at the time, Gion left on drums and Sean got busy with Cynic Reunion Tour, which I was supposed to do. I was actually, Sean called me and asked me to write music for the new Cynic record. And like I said, Paul and I kind of had a falling out. So what I did, I, I took that music that I was writing for Cynic and I, I applied it to, I said, well, you know what? It's going to go in the new Agora record, you know? And I made it Agora. And uh, so it really pushed the envelope because part of me wanted to do something that was better than Agora 1 and Agora 2. But I also wanted to do something that was better than whatever cynic was doing at that time and and i wanted to just keep it going you know um i wasn't happy with i heard you know i heard the record cynic did um i was supposed to play on that record and i was supposed to go on that tour and i heard that record i wasn't happy with it and i to me it was a letdown compared to focus you know Mm. and a letdown compared to the demos you know that i grew up listening to so for me agora three was uh, um, a way for me to not let myself down and not let the fans down. It was kind of like, you know what, we're going to give you what we can give you. You know, that was the, the attitude, you know, um, I know music is not competitive, but to me, there's something martial arts about it, you know, 
<laughs> and so I just wanted the last record to kick ass, and and I think it did. You know, I knock on wood. I think. Yes, it definitely it did, did because what I uh, I do this uh, one of my thing is I do a lot of walking, so yeah. I put the headphones on and then I keep on walking. I've been listening to that album like over and over. <laughs> oh, awesome, man! Awesome. I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, like Path, Marduk Prophecy, and Kingdom of yeah. Pia, and all this. Uh, it's like you're in a different world when you're listening to this song. <laughs> well, that was the whole thing. I, I wanted the album to truly be a meditative experience, even though it's metal, but it should take you somewhere, you know? Mm. And um, the first record was very like Hindu in terms of the concepts, right? The second record is very much me exploring Buddhist and Taoist concepts. Yeah. Especially from the shamanic point of view. This last record was really experiencing like African shamanism, Persian shamanism, things from Sufism, things from ancient uh, Persia. Um, and in my opinion, things from the, the source of humanity, which I believe we, we are an offspring of an intelligent alien race, you know? And, um, and so that record really kind of goes there. I had a really profound spiritual experience. I went to visit the pyramids in Mexico, in uh, Teotihuacan. Right. And when I got back, um, I think I went several times, I don't remember, but I know I came back and I wrote Formless but the energy that I got from that experience in that pyramid, I, I was trying to convey it musically and I got it into this last record, you know? Yeah. I think this last record pushed the envelope where we were going, you know? So who knows what will happen on the next record? It's, it's going to be intense too, so we'll see. Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite interesting that uh, all these different places, different cultures, but when you look at it, it seems that all of these were inspired by the same, maybe from the same uh, yeah. aliens or, I mean, you, you see the show like Ancient Aliens where they all try to break oh, yeah. down. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I'm not kidding, man. I mean, I had a lot of interesting experiences, like I said, when I was a kid with meditation and and my mom and I had experiences with, with extraterrestrial and feelings and I saw UFOs a couple of times when I was growing up and my grandfather was a pilot for the air force. And he saw several times during the Korean war, he saw certain UFOs. And so I always believed it was real, you know, and, um, what, what sealed the deal for me was, like I said, when I went to those pyramids and I felt the energy and experienced it there and, and I came back home and I was still having visions and I, I didn't use any drugs or anything. I was still having visions of things I saw and felt there and they stuck with me. And I said, okay, this, this is, there's something much older than any religion on this planet. Mm. And it's something that's deep and, and we're connected to it. We're a part of it. Let me explore that. And that's what Agora three is musically. It's exploring that, you know, right. So, <clears throat> And, and I believe, too, that, you know, certain plants are teachers, you know, you have like the cannabis plant, you have the, the mushrooms, those are teachers, you know, ayahuasca, yeah. those are teachers, and they, they open up uh, our ability to, on a micro level, to, to understand a little bit deeper what this universe is, you know, and at least allow you to see it differently. And, and so all that played a big role in, in the last Agora record, 100%. Right. Yeah, I, I also read that uh, I heard somebody saying that the like the Kundalini experiences is kind of similar to a DMT, like you're taking like DMT. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. I agree. Right. I agree. You know, I think one, one is more shocking. And more like, boom, you're right there, you know? Right. Like if you take a mushroom trip or ayahuasca or DMT. But, but if you work on meditation and things like meditation and something like Kriya Yoga or Kundalini Yoga or, or Qigong, you, you're 
immersed in that slowly, but it lasts longer. You know what I mean? And you don't need any substance. It's just your connection to your, your own energy and your breath and your, your, you know, your, your own sexual energy flowing through your body. And then that creates states in the mind, you know, and, um, it stays with you. You know, you just have to like, once you get into that moment, boom, you remember the feeling and you're already there, you know? Yeah. Right. <clears throat> so, uh, w- one more band that's, uh, one, one more great band from, uh, Florida is, uh, Pestilence, which, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was well, they're not from Florida. I was able to see them last year. They, they played in Manila last year. Uh, wow. Yeah. And then, uh, I know that you recorded with them, right? I did. I did. Well, they're, they're from Holland. Um, they're from the Netherlands. But they, they have an interesting connection to Florida because, you know, Tony Choi played in the band for a while. Um, and then I recorded with them on their last record called Hadeon. And it was a fantastic record. It was awesome to play on. And Patrick Mameli, I have a lot of uh, love and respect for him. He's a great guitar player and, and a good friend. And and he's always been a badass in, in the music, you know. He's always been a amazing, brutal guitar player. And, and he knows his stuff. He's, he knows his shit on guitar, you know. And I like, I like his attitude and his approach. And um, I'm very thankful that he gave me the opportunity to play on Hadeon because uh, he believed in me, you know. And... It, I've never had the chance to, well, outside of Agora, I never really had the chance to show that world what I can do musically. Um, you know, like I said, it almost happened with Cynic, but it didn't happen. It almost happened with Atheist, but then Kelly, I don't know what happened there. He did, I was supposed to play with them and that didn't happen. Um, I got called to play with Morbid Angel one time and then it didn't happen. I got called to play with Deicide. And then somebody else got the gig. So for me, it was very important to do Pestilence because Patrick said, okay, here, do whatever you want. So he let me do whatever I want. And um, I, in my opinion, I think I delivered probably some of my best guitar playing. And and, um, I brought something to the table that I wanted to do, which was just not, not just to shred, you know, but just to be very musical and add something to the music, particularly melody and melodic playing, um, which you don't hear in those records, you know? And so that was cool that I had a great time. And, you know, like I said, Patrick is a, he's a brother of mine and, and I appreciate the fact that he gave me the chance to do that. You know? Right. <clears throat> I would have liked to have toured with them, but it, it didn't work out, but I would have loved to have toured with them. Yeah, uh, I mean, I was really grateful that they were able to come to the Philippines, and it was <laughs> it was like a small, very small venue, and uh, it was so crazy. <laughs> well, I can imagine. I I can only imagine. I I hope to come to the Philippines one day. I think it'd be cool. Yeah. So, uh, Diego, outside of metal, what 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 other uh, I mean, music you do? Uh, you work. I know that you do music for other stuff, other projects. Well, I do music for my dad and um, some time to time I record stuff for him. Um, I work in audio, so I mix audio for television shows. I do a lot of live audio television stuff. Um, I used to make music for TV shows. Um, So, you know, from time to time people call me to record guitars for all kinds of styles. So sometimes I do that. music industry changed in 2008 so it wasn't as lucrative as it was before mm. so that's why i got into the television business and, and i work in tv doing live audio and i love it it's great and uh, it's a challenge um i see sometimes maybe you see the consoles i post on my instagram yes yeah. i use those every day and it's fascinating the calorette consoles and uh it's it's fun to work on so yeah, Diego, I think you're, I'm I'm losing your mic. Oh, you're losing my mic? Let me see here. Should be okay now. Yeah, can you speak is again? That, is it better? One, two, three, yeah, four, yeah. can you hear me? Yes, better. <clears throat> what about there? Yeah, it's better. It's oh. better, yeah. Sorry, sorry. 
<laughs> yeah, so uh, I I always like I I like your Facebook because you I know you put like all these funny posts and uh, and post uh, and I see people sometimes you know get offended or they 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 keep on you know I don't yeah. know they, uh, how do you how do you deal with this crazy social media because people doesn't seems to be uh, I don't know they. It, it, it's i i feel that it's only towards a certain side that they always if you post something about that it's it people get offended right <laughs> yeah, I, i've learned to not give a shit what people think you know i uh i love everybody and uh i believe in what i believe in if they don't like it that's their problem you know i mean um, we we are free to express ourselves however we're supposed to so you know, I try to post a lot of things that inspire people too. You know, like I try to, you know, I do that with my strength training and with martial arts and with guitar. I try to just post things that, that cheer people up and make people feel good and go, fuck, I want to do that too. And, and I've helped people do that. So that's great. You know, um, it's the beauty of this world we live in now is everybody has their own channel, right? And everybody right. can and express themselves so you know it's all good you know and i do post things sometimes i get political and sometimes i get uh, i post things that other people think are are offensive or whatever but hey you know whatever that's their problem <laughs> yeah the, the but the sad sad side of things is like people seems to be offended about critical thinking right like questioning things and correct like, correct 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 Maybe, 100%. Yeah, that's that's really what bothers me because uh, you should be able to question anything, you should be able to ridicule anything or because yeah. people should be able to do it, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly, you know. I mean I I mean, look, let's just go with this whole COVID situation, right? So you mean to tell me that a mask made out of cloth is going to stop a deadly virus that's in the air? No, it's not. It's scientifically proven that the mask doesn't work for viruses, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, so I mean, the only reason why we're wearing the masks is because they're trying to push some type of control, right. which clearly is some type of cyber, socialist, communist uh, experiment. You know what I mean? There's somebody there trying to strings and i think that they're trying to um show the world that the world is their slave right right it's about and yeah it's a, real, it's a real virus but come on more people died from the swine flu more people died from the flu more people are dying from heart disease from obesity you know what i mean there's more abortions per year i mean come on i don't think you have to lock everything up the way they did you know yeah, yeah. But, I mean, look, we we have an immune system. At some point, the immune system has to be has to let the immune system do its job, right? Yeah. But you know, people would say that I'm a conspiracy theorist, and I don't, you know, I'm crazy or pro-Trump or something. You know? Right, right, right. <laughs> no, but it, I mean, it's it's about the mask. It's scientifically proven because when they compare the mask, I I saw this sheet that that they're comparing different masks. Uh, yeah. You know, even the surgical mask doesn't really save you from viruses, right? It's... Uh... Right, right, right. <laughs> Did you see and... the one where the, the guy is smoking a bomb and he, he blows the bomb out, the marijuana through the mask, and like the whole thing up, the whole, the whole video is so funny. And, and then this, all these hand sanitizers, because all this is, is a bacterial hand, antibacterial hand sanitizers, right? It keeps oh, on like... It's, it's destroyed my hands, man. My hands are really dry and cracked because you have to use them at work. And uh, yeah. it's destroyed my hands, man. So I have to use coconut oil and, and um, uh, shea butter, you know. It, it mm -hmm. sucks. It's, I, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for 2020 to be over, to be honest with you. Right. So, with the music that you're recording with Jason, and uh, so what's the plan? So, when are you planning to put out some new music? Well, we're, we're, it's a little slower because my schedule is really busy right now. 
Matt's schedule's busy because he's got his kids too, and he's homeschooling. I'm homeschooling my kids as well. So we kind of we get together when we can, you know, and then what we do is we try to crank out at least one song. Um, we've already, Jason and I have put together, we have a lot of ideas. For There's got to be like 20 ideas already, but we've put together about two songs that are ready to be recorded. And um, we sent them to Matt, my, my drummer, you know, Matt Thompson, who plays in, in King Diamond and Agora as well, and in Shaolin Death Squad. Um, Matt's working on drums right now, and then he finishes Alan play bass. So some of the music is um, it's more fusion than metal, you know, mm. um, and funky too. Jason's an amazing funk guitar player, actually, and I don't know, a lot of people don't know that, mm. but he's just an amazing funky guitar player. You know, so he's he's got a ton of ideas, and so we're just working on them little by little. I mean, I'm hoping we can get a record done maybe in six months, maybe sooner, maybe a little, you know, within that ballpark, six months to a year. You know, right. but yeah, we're definitely recording one, and it's it's awesome. You know, I like the music; Jason likes it, and I'm just happy that Jason's playing again. You know, and, yeah, and I'm happy to I'm happy that he chose to, to, to work with me to write and to make music. I mean, that's just a blessing and uh, I'm honored. I mean, you know, he's, he's always been one of my favorite musicians and guitar players. So it's pretty cool to, to be able to do that, you know? Yeah. Actually, Jason, Jason told me that uh, he, he won't, he started playing again because of, he got inspired when he like came to the Philippines and they were like people who were still fans of him. <laughs> they had yeah. a, like a tribute tribute show for him here in the Philippines. So Yeah, he told me that he, he said he loved it there. And he loved the people for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so uh Tiago, so what's your message to the people who support Agora and you? Well first of all thank you for for, for everybody who likes the music, was found it inspiring in some way. That's what we made it for and, and I'm I'm so happy that um People all over the world have, have embraced it. To me, that's just amazing and fascinating. And um, thank you. I mean, that's all I can really say is thank you. And I, and I hope to continue making more music for all of you. And, uh, you know, I'm very approachable. Please contact me on Facebook and Instagram. And, uh, you know, I always welcome everybody as friends and family. So thank you so much for that. You know? right. and, and to the young musicians, keep making music. Keep you know, keep pushing the envelope, you know, make stuff that inspires people because, you know, nowadays there's so many metal bands, but what I find is people have lost a little bit the soulfulness of music. So even if you make metal, make it soulful, you know, mm. and if you play guitar, it's not just about how fast you play. It's how can you make those notes really, you know, either scream or cry or, or make those notes sing, you know, and I think it's important that the, the younger guys now, the younger girls and guys that play music, to make their music as soulful as possible. Because everything's going like AI, you know, robotic. You know what I mean? Even in the music, just like super robotic all the time, which is great. And it's hard to play, but don't forget about the human side of what we do, you know, as humans. Mm. And, um, and I think that's important, you know what I mean? Yeah. So. <clears throat> that's why even uh, like uh, probably you see my post on Facebook because I, I follow like all different musics I, I like you know the slow ones the cheesy ones even like metal sometimes people oh me too I mean I listen to pop with my kids I listen to everything man everything yeah. you know yeah and a lot of people think that like you know there's this idea that pop songs are simple and you know but no. they are hard to play right <laughs> Yeah, man. Actually, you know, it's funny. Like, there's stuff that Jason and I are writing now. When you look at it, it looks simple. It's some of the hardest shit I've ever played. You know what I mean? It's just some of the hardest stuff I've ever done, you know? So, so yeah, there's nothing simple about music. I mean, music can be sometimes the most simplest thing is actually really hard. Yeah. You know? For sure. I like your posts. I see the posts of you and your son meditating. I like 
Yes, it's and good. he actually he just completed his twenty-one days, uh, his yeah. first twenty-one days, and now he's doing it daily by himself. Before that. that's awesome. Yeah. That's really good. That's impressive. I was, I was, uh, I was, I was early. I was asking him to do it, but then suddenly, I mean, we had this program of art, art of living was having a like online thing. So I said, why don't you try it? And then. Then after after a couple of days, he's uh, he's telling me, okay, let's do it. It's it's starting now. Let's do it. So he's he got that. Uh, I think That's it's cool, really helping yeah. him uh, because he's very hyperactive. So it helps mm -hmm. him to you know focus on his schoolwork and all this. Plus, it's it these days he's staying at home, right? So he couldn't. He I don't think he has gone out for like six seven months now. Like from last yeah, December, he's got, he channel, wasn't, he's got to channel that energy. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's it's really Good I'm for you, really man. happy that's with a blessing. about it. That's a that's a blessing, man. Good for you. Yeah. So so Tiago, thank you for joining this uh, podcast. I'm really glad that we had this talk. Uh, thank you, man. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, man. Thank lastly, you so much. Any, lastly, anybody you want to shout out to? Oh man, shout out to everybody in the Philippines and everybody in Southeast Asia and. Thank you for for enjoying Agora. Thank you for supporting this kind of music and and you. Thank you for the time, Chan. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Yeah. So Tiago, have a have a great evening. Uh, thank you. Too. You too. Thank you, brother. Stay thank stay you. stay in touch. Yes.